0: If you're seeking Biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Quasney, Husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher, join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today.
1: In James 4, 7, we read, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This couplet of commands illustrates what this season of Biblical Counseling Today is all about. We either think biblically, or we end up falling for the devil's confusing lies. To use the language of James, we either submit to God or we will fail to resist the devil's schemes. Now think for a moment about what James is saying about Satan. When you resist Satan, he will flee from you. Do you think about Satan this way? Or maybe a better question, do you act like this towards Satan? Satan is like that playground bully who acts tough, but will run away the moment you show him any resistance. The Christian in the power of the Holy Spirit simply has to stand firm, stand against, say no to the devil, and off he goes. But I would guess that many of us don't resist the way we should. We can be altogether too passive when Satan comes for us, tempts us, and tries to deceive us. We can give him our listening ear just like Eve did. Just think if Adam and Eve would have stood their ground and resisted the lies of the serpent. No, Satan, you are wrong. God is not keeping us from becoming like him. We submit to God because he loves us and cares for us. Thankfully, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, did resist the devil and all his temptations. He stood his ground on the word of God, submitted to his father, and the devil fled from him. He is our great example that James tells us to emulate. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What a great command and what a great promise. So why do we often show little resistance to the devil? Why do we not give him much of a fight? Well, for one thing, our sinful hearts want to give in instead of resist. Our hearts can agree with what Satan is telling us. We can want what he is selling way too much. Submitting to God can also seem too boring or too unpleasant or uninteresting we can end up resisting God and submitting to Satan instead. That's why we all need this current season of biblical counseling today. We all need to be encouraged and challenged to submit to God and to resist the devil. Resisting Satan may feel hard at times, but the Spirit gives strength to stand. Remember, we have to actively put on the armor of God in order to fight this spiritual battle. It should be good news to you that your resistance is not futile. Satan is already defeated, and he will continue to flee from you as you stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ. In this episode, we will think about the need to resist the temptation to settle for surface peace in our lives. While our gracious God offers us true rest in Jesus, Satan imitates it by offering us surface peace instead. We need to dig down deep and learn the difference. Anita and Ben have built their marriage on the pursuit of surface peace. They have both confessed to hating conflict, desiring to avoid it at all costs. Whenever a problem arises, it is usually Ben who capitulates to Anita's desire. One of their reasons for avoiding conflict is the commitment to not fight in front of the children. They never want their kids to see them unhappy with each other or at odds. To most people, Anita and Ben appear to have a happy marriage. But the reality is that they are both deeply lonely and deeply frustrated people. And then there's Chuck. Chuck has lived his life as a highly anxious person. Even though he is a long-time Christian, he finds it hard to trust God for most things in his life. Chuck never seems to be at peace, even though that is all that he longs for. He avoids as many stressful situations as possible, including difficult relationships. He tries to stay in an easy routine without much risk. But Chuck still feels in turmoil much of the time. He just can't find that inner peace that other Christians seem to have. Anita, Ben, and Chuck have been deceived into settling for surface peace rather than true peace, producing restlessness instead of true rest. So let's work to help them and ourselves discern the difference. We'll begin by considering what it looks like to have surface peace. Anything that exists at the surface, by definition, lacks any depth. When a plant has all its roots at the surface of the earth, then it will typically be easy to uproot. A surface wound heals much easier than one that cuts deep to the bone. So when we speak of surface peace, it is something that comes easily but lacks any real depth, making it short-lived at best. But let's work a bit more on the characteristics of this imitation to true peace and rest. First, surface peace is gained by the avoidance of conflict if i've heard it once i've heard it a thousand times in counseling i just don't like conflict my witty retort to this common statement goes something like this well who really enjoys conflict only psychopaths love conflict of course we would all avoid conflict if we could It's quite foolish to provoke conflict for no good reason, but the reality is life in this fallen world is all about conflict. Sinners are always in conflict with other sinners. Circumstances and situations that happen to us create conflicts that have to be solved. Marriage and family life are the primary breeding grounds of conflict. As much as we would like to make our marriages and families into permanent, peaceful, rest-filled relationships, conflict is ever-present. Anita and Ben have colluded to try to find the impossible, a conflict-free marriage. They have avoided conflict at all costs in very creative ways, so they have found a measure of peace in their lives. A peace, though, without real relational intimacy what I have called in other podcasts a roommate marriage. But you may be thinking, can't two Christians who are both living for Christ avoid a great deal of conflict? Certainly. Just because conflict is inevitable in marriage and family life doesn't mean that we can't reduce those conflicts by our holiness, by God's grace, of course. Reducing conflict with other people is not the same as avoiding conflict. When we actually solve some of our conflicts, we will reduce them. On the other hand, avoiding conflicts will make everything seem peaceful between two people. But it also means that they won't grow in their faith, their patience, their love, and their intimacy. Avoiding conflict becomes addicting because, again, who really wants to fight all the time? Well, that leads us to the next principle. Surface peace is maintained by uniformity rather than unity. It's a beautiful thing when we can be unified with other people. It makes everything so much more peaceful and restful. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. True unity does bring long-lasting and deep peace. But unity takes a lot of work. And it is often elusive, even among Christians. For example, one would logically think that all Christians would be unified in their political beliefs and philosophies. In America, it's tempting to think that all Christians should be unified into one political party. What we are tempted by Satan to look for, really, in this case, is uniformity rather than unity. Do you know the difference? Uniformity is the characteristic of a clone where we speak and act and think exactly the same way. Only when we are exactly alike can we be at peace with one another when it comes to this thinking. Married couples often make this mistake. Spouses can work to manipulate each other to only think alike on all things. After all, that's why we marry the person we marry in the first place, right? To have someone just like me. In my life. But the truth is that we actually grow in more unity when we don't demand uniformity. Over time, people become more and more like the other they spend the most time with. Now, Chuck doesn't realize it, but he is also expecting uniformity from other people. He gives up quickly on relationships whenever there appears to be too much disagreement. He can't even stomach people's opinions that are different than his on social media. Now, of course, we're all attracted to people who are just like us, but opposites attract as well sometimes, right? I think God brings opposites together to make us work harder for unity rather than just having it served up on a silver platter. When we don't get the uniformity we seek, we end up looking for it somewhere else, sadly. This only gives surface peace because sooner or later, there will be differences we have to deal with. So how hard are you working at forcing people to agree with you rather than listening and understanding to how they think? If differences shake your peace of mind, then you do not have the peace of God reigning in your heart. You are seeking the devil's surface peace and it will keep you from the true unity that we can have with other believers. Then listen to this third principle. Surface peace requires denying feelings and desires. Have you ever been deeply hurt or disappointed when something happened and then said, It's no big deal. It doesn't matter to me that much anyway? When we seek surface peace, we must necessarily harden our hearts against things and people that disrupt that peace. Anita and Ben don't often tell each other how they feel about things, how they really feel or what they really desire in their lives. Especially Ben, he capitulates easily to Anita by convincing himself that what he wants doesn't really matter. Ben's highest value is keeping Anita happy at all costs. That means he must deny what makes him happy. Now, On the surface, this may seem very sacrificial on Ben's part. But Ben's motivation is not to love his wife more, but to maintain his own sense of peace. He ends up keeping his peace of mind by giving in and giving up all. Now, certainly part of conflict resolution is giving up the things I really want. But it never includes denying feelings or pretending that certain things really don't matter anymore. As you can probably tell, the seeking after surface peace is actually quite selfish. It isn't really concerned about having peace with others, unless it makes your life more peaceful. God's Word tells us that we Christians have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Because we have that peaceful relationship, we can express to God whatever we feel and whatever we think and desire in prayer. It's not like we have to pretend or deny our feelings in order to keep the peace with God. Sadly, we do often have to keep our mouth shut in order to have a semblance of peace with sinful people in our lives. But again, this is surface peace, and it's not what we should seek after. Satan tries to confuse us, tempting us to be manipulators of people in order to get the peace that we long for. But we must resist this route to peace. It doesn't allow us to be the genuine people God has created us to be. All right, now here's a fourth characteristic of surface peace. Surface peace only increases tension. True peace between two people eliminates most tension between them. If this is true, then logic tells us that surface peace, Satan's great imitation, will do just the opposite. In order to have and maintain surface peace in a relationship, two people must sweep all problems, all disagreements, all conflicts under the rug. To use another analogy, maintaining surface peace in a relationship is like holding a beach ball underneath the surface of the water. Think of the amount of pressure or tension it takes to keep that ball from exploding through the surface of the water. In relationships, it takes a whole lot of human strength to keep things below the surface. Do you ever feel like there are always things under the surface that aren't being addressed in your marriage, in a friendship, in a close family relationship? So this tension does not allow us to have real peace and rest. To use another word, this stress will take up residence in your heart. While the relationship looks peaceful on the outside, your heart is under great stress and strain. Don't you wonder how long Anita and Ben can hold on to their surface peace? The cracks from the strain and stress will begin to show at some point. Stop and think why Satan wants to tempt you to fight for surface peace in your relationships. He was always about dividing and destroying relationships between Christians. What better way than to give the appearance of peace and unity only to grow deep tension that will never be addressed or solved. Settling for surface peace in your life will only increase your anxiety and stress. And some of that tension will be the all-out effort to keep this fragile peace. Since it does not have deep roots, you have to continue to nurture it and manipulate it. Chuck also has this sort of stress and tension in his life because he's so focused on having surface peace. He can never be happy or truly peaceful. All of this heart tension will also show up in our physical bodies, in actual tension headaches stomach problems, and other illnesses and sicknesses. In other words, even our physical bodies will not be at peace. Now on to the next principle. Surface peace will lead to future conflict. Just think about the history of wars between nations. Two countries go to war over land or to take control of the other. One country wins. There's a period of peace, right? When it's just surface peace, the defeated country is just biding its time, preparing for the next war. Then they do the same thing all over again. When there is true peace between nations, then wars cease. No more conflicts. Well, the same goes for people. Because surface peace creates more underlying tension, there will inevitably be future conflict. And bigger conflict that is not easily solved. I believe many couples keep having the same fights over and over again because they don't push through to true unity. They settle just for periods of surface peace just to take a break from the underlying war. Sadly, this is a recipe for the ultimate conflict, divorce. Again, Satan is having his way with Christians as he lulls us into surface peace. We are tempted to put off conflict to sometime in the future like passing off our country's national debt to future generations. Ask yourself, is it worth having present surface peace simply to push inevitable conflict to the future? Have you convinced yourself that all the underlying conflict will magically go away one day on its own? No, I'm not suggesting that we create conflicts in our marriages, friendships, or family relationships. We're not just supposed to pick a fight just to fight. That's not godly either. Again, it's about not avoiding conflict, but pursuing true peace instead. You will be no more equipped to handle future conflicts by simply delaying things. And that conflict, those future conflicts, are sure to be much deeper and much more difficult. Even within your own heart, not dealing with your sins and struggles will make things more difficult in the future. Creating some sort of surface peace with God only keeps us from confronting our sins and solving our spiritual problems by the grace of God. And now just one more characteristic. Surface peace is artificial. Ultimately, it is the fake smile of life. Most of the time, you know when someone has a fake smile plastered on his or her face. Maybe it's even accompanied with a fake laugh. Fake smiles and laughs are meant to mask something else. Maybe anger or frustration or worry. They just aren't real. So it is with surface peace. It's fake. It's not real. It's covering up some real emotions and real frustrations. Just like in the case of Anita and Ben, it can make a marriage look good when it really isn't. Fake peace in a family can make everyone look so loving towards one another. Satan is a master of fake. Remember, he masquerades as an angel of light when he is the prince of darkness. So he wants us to live in a world of fakeness and illusions as well. He can convince us that reality is just way too difficult. Surface peace also masks over the idols of our hearts. It lets us sing to ourselves, it is well with my soul when it really isn't. Again, when we fight for surface peace, we are only avoiding true life in this world and in God's kingdom. We are trying to manufacture peace instead of seeking the God of peace in our lives. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, we read these familiar words of our Lord Jesus. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What a great word, rest. When you are really tired, worn out in either body or soul, you long for rest. A quality rest always recharges and rejuvenates, strengthening you, To begin again. Of course, Jesus is talking about spiritual rest here rest from sin and strivings. This rest is our salvation. Our souls need rest because without Jesus, they are always restless. But these words also give some application to the peace filled rest we need in our everyday life. While heaven is our ultimate rest, we also need real rest in this life on earth too, by the grace of God. So let's think through just a few principles of peace-filled rest that stand against the imitation of surface peace. First, peace-filled rest is not the absence of conflict. Remember, only psychopaths actually enjoy conflict. Normal people would love to have as little conflict in life as possible. But as Christians, we must recognize that conflict is a huge part of life in this fallen world. Sinners always create conflict. It is vital then to know that you can have true peace, you can be at rest even while having to deal with conflicts. Actually, the best way to handle conflict is from a place of peace. Anita and Ben need the peace of God present in their hearts so they can have the courage to handle the conflicts in their marriage. In all your relationships, your rest comes not from the absence of conflict, but in knowing that God is sovereign and he's at work in your life. When we are at spiritual rest, we will also end up creating less conflict that typically comes from our own restless sin. Sinful anxiety can certainly stir up problems that don't need to exist. So again, don't avoid conflict. Don't think that the presence of conflict is stealing from your rest. Your rest must be in Christ, not in another person or situation. And then second, peace-filled rest happens after hard work. We all know that our bodies typically rest much better after they are exhausted from a day of hard work. That is God's design. Rest repairs all the strain and stress put on our bodies. Hard work makes us long for rest. Again, in most cases, hard work produces sound rest unless our anxious minds keep us up. In order to have rest for our souls, then, we must do the hard work that will produce it. No, I'm not inferring that we work our way to heaven or that we work for our salvation. But I do think we have to work for a true peace-filled rest in our day-to-day life. Again, this goes back to our closest relationships. When we put the work into our marriages or friendships or family relationships, we can reap the reward of rest. If we actually practice good problem solving, even some of our hardest conflicts can end up with peace and rest. Isn't it gratifying to actually work through a problem towards resolution? It's so much better to solve the issue than just to let it hang out there seemingly forever. True peace-filled rest is the satisfaction that we have grown closer to God and to another person through grace-filled effort. We have worked hard for intimacy and unity. Now, rest doesn't come all the time. Sometimes we are so worn out and discouraged. But if we have the mind of Christ and understand how we have worked for God's glory, then we can achieve that peace and rest for our souls. Satan would have you give up to not work hard and even be lazy in your relationships. He doesn't want you to have the peace-filled rest that comes from godly success. Now, don't let Satan confuse you. Don't let him steal your rest and keep you as a slave to your own frustrations and emotions. Our bodies and souls need hard work so they can also enjoy the rest that is found in Jesus. And then third, peace-filled rest should characterize the heart of the Christian. Now, I've done several podcasts on the problem of anxiety and how it can be dealt with biblically. Anxiety is one of those problems that is a struggle for many of us. Unfortunately, an anxious heart keeps us from enjoying peace-filled rest. Chuck certainly isn't enjoying much peace because of all of his anxiety. It makes perfect sense that the non christian should be regularly anxious and lack peace. This world is filled with anxiety-producing events and situations on a daily basis. The things that enter our personal lives can provoke people to anxiety all the time. But the Christian has that peace that passes all understanding because of the work of Jesus Christ in our hearts. So the Christian should be the most peaceful of all people. Christians should always find ourselves to be at rest in this anxious world. Of course, this is not always the case. Because Christians are still sinners, so we give up our peace and rest. But the truth is, we don't have to. If we can remember what Christ has done in our lives, then a true, peaceful smile, not a fake smile, should always be on our faces. Again, it is no wonder that Satan wants to tempt us towards settling for surface peace. Then he can count on us being anxious when difficulty comes. Which leads us to the next point. Peace-filled rest can be had in the midst of storms and trials. The picture that comes to my mind is the disciples dealing with the storm and the waves while they're crossing the Sea of Galilee. They are out of their minds with fear and anxiety. But where is Jesus? He's resting peacefully asleep in the boat. The disciples are mad. How can Jesus be resting at a time like this? He should be fearful and worried too. He should do something, anything, anything but rest. The storms and trials in our lives seem to demand that we stress out, that we run around like chickens with their heads cut off, that we do something. Yes, we certainly have to deal with the problem, but we can do that from a place of rest. Jesus wanted his disciples to rest through the storm rather than to only find rest and peace after the storm is over. Believe me, I love when a trial or storm has come to an end. But as Christians, we are called to be at peace during the storm. And we can do it because we know who's in charge. We have Jesus in our boat. Did the disciples really believe they were going to die with Jesus in their boat? I guess they did. And we can also be given over to fear and anxiety, even though we have the spirit of Jesus in our hearts, even though he's present in all of our storms. So rest, dear Christian, even while the storm is raging. Be at peace and know that God is with you all the time, which leads us to our last truth. Peace-filled rest is a gift from God. As one who has trouble sleeping, my wife can attest to the fact that a good night's sleep is a beautiful gift to her. Physical rest is really a gift to all of us, something our bodies desperately need on a daily basis. But spiritual rest is the real gift. Our gracious God gives us rest in times that defies logic. You've probably witnessed, like I have, people who have been peacefully at rest in some of the hardest of times. When we ask God for rest in difficult situations, he will give it. When we ask God to help us solve conflicts to give us more peace rather than just surface peace, he will give it. God loves to see his children at rest, not fearful, not agitated, not stressed out or anxious. Even in this life, we can experience God's peace and rest. The reality is that we don't deserve this gift. In our sinfulness, we deserve the consequences. In our fear and faithlessness, we deserve our boats to crash in the storm. But King Jesus stills the storm and gives us rest. He gives us a lighter burden and carries it with us. So what would you rather have? Satan's surface peace or the peace-filled rest that God can give us? It seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Well, let's encourage one another then to find our rest in Christ and not settle for Satan's imitation.
0: Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Quasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.